The 271st edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that, to be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded, May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three, too strong on the shot, that's it, the Tar Heels are the national champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would, I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here with you guys today as I got another great interview, a great guest that I had a chance to speak to, former Tar Heel and national champion Marcus Ginyard, a guy that you've now seen calling games on ACC Network Extra. And you heard his voice on the call on the Tar Heel Sports Radio Network alongside Jones Angel. He's one of the rotating members filling in that analyst spot, uh, that, that, that analyst spot while Eric Montross continues his battle with cancer. I had a chance to to speak with the former player about what he's seen from Carolina so far the first two games. Um, if Elliot Cadeau's lived up to the hype. And of course some broadcasting uh, uh, insights. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with former Tar Heel and national champion Marcus Ginyard. I am now joined by former Carolina basketball player, national champion, who's gone on to do some great things in the business world, had a career overseas, and is now getting into a little broadcasting. This is Marcus Ginyard. Marcus, good afternoon, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, doing great. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you uh, carving out some time. I know, I know you're a busy man doing, uh, you know, your 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 real estate job, and now you're dabbling in into broadcasting. But as a former Carolina guy, I know Carolina basketball is is at the forefront of your life. The team has played two games um, so far. They're two and zero with wins over Radford and Lehigh. What have been your two biggest, or what have been your biggest takeaways from the first two games of the early part of the season? Uh, you know, that's a great question. You know, there's a lot of things um, that I think that, that we've seen even early um, this season. But I'm most impressed, I think, with um, just the way that the team looks to be playing together and playing for each other. Um, getting to see the ball move around um, a lot more than we've seen in the past couple of seasons. And, um, you know, really seeing the team make that extra pass and, and really trying to make plays for other players. And I, I think that that's just a testament to – um, how well these guys get along together, um, and, and just their mindset, and, and, and trying to 
be a team out there on the court knowing that, you know, they're going to need each other in, in all the ways um, in order to be successful out there on the court. So that's something that I've been super encouraged by and um, look forward to seeing that continue to grow throughout the season. Hubert Davis talked a lot about over the summer about there there, there was just a better chemistry with, with, with this group than what we saw a year ago. You played in a different era where the transfer portal wasn't what it is today where you see rosters and programs overhaul – every offseason how much of that chemistry do you think was forced or do you think maybe this was just a group that naturally just gelled together in the offseason well you know I, it's hard to say exactly you know kind of what the you know what's the source of, of how these things turned out but um I, I think that the group that we have right now um is just kind of showing what it could potentially look like you know, when they like each other and there is good chemistry and, and everybody's willing to work together. Um, and again, that's just kind of what I've seen so far. And, and, and I've heard coach talk about, you know, how he's seen these guys gel and, and um, come together off the court as well, spending a ton of time together and really just enjoying being around each other. And it's, it's hard to quantify that out on, the, on the basketball court, but there's no question that, that that's a huge, that makes a huge impact on, on, you know, these guys' performances. Armando Baycotta has established himself as the focal point of the offense, averaging 23.5 points, 16.5 rebounds. He said going into the season he's in the best shape of his life. Uh, he's as healthy as he's ever been. He lost 10 to 15 pounds over the summer. What has stood out to you the most about his play on the offensive end of the court so far through two games? Well, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit and just, you know, his, his commitment to getting in the best shape that he possibly can. He certainly looks like he's getting up and down the court. Um, you know, a lot better than, than he has the last couple of seasons. Um, and that's just, again, a, a testament to his mentality and his mindset going into this season. Um, and, you know, he's what well, we know him as Mr. Double-Double. He, he continued to, to, to show that in the first couple of games, just kind of being a dominant force on the, on the backboards and getting to the free throw line. And um, don't have the numbers in front of me, but one thing I, I think I've seen in the first two games is him kind of sh- shooting um, free throws at a higher clip than he did last season. And I'm sure that that's been a point of emphasis for him. And that's going to be a place where he spends a lot of time. So he's going to want to um, try to convert those, those points as efficiently as possible. I mentioned the transfer portal becoming, you know, the, the the new way of teams being built. That's that's not foreign to Carolina. They've got three guys starting in their starting line that, that were transfers. They brought in five overall. In your opinion, which transfer has made the biggest impact on either end of the floor? You know, I, I, I want to say some great things about all of them, to be honest. I hate to single one person out um, that's having the, 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 the biggest impact, but – you know, ultimately, again, I'm going to say something about everybody because they're all so they're all so great. You know, um, I think Harrison Ingram is, is going to be incredibly dynamic on both ends of the floor. Um, you know, the athleticism and the, and the experience of, of Jalen Withers is, is going to be something that that we really, really, um, you, you know, we're going to appreciate throughout the season. I believe, and the the, the toughness, um, the shooting ability of. of Cormac Ryan and Paxton Wojcik are, are also going to be things that, that we really think about. And, and, and Cormac's defensive ability as well, and his length and um, athleticism. Uh, we saw him get to the basket uh, a few times, and, and, and he's you know causing some, some trouble there on defense with his length. And listen, we're we're uh, we're in great shape, I think, early in the season, and it's just going to come down to you know continuing to get better every day and, and continuing to have that kind of championship mentality. 
one of the criticisms that the coach Davis has endured through his first two years as Carolina's head coach was the inability to develop a rotation that we've seen over the years historically at Carolina. You check the box score through for the first two games. He's played, you know, nine guys, double-digit minutes in both games. And on Sunday, it was almost ten guys if Jalen Washington would have played one more minute. Do you think that he is oversubbing on purpose to quiet the critics? Or do you think he just trusts and likes his guys a little bit more than what we've seen in in, in his previous two years as the head coach? You know, if those are my only two options, um, I'm going to have to pick the uh, pick the latter. Um, I, I, I don't think that there's any part of, of his mentality that that's trying to do anything other than what he thinks is best for this basketball team. Um, so I just have to imagine that you know he's feeling more comfortable with with the guys as he looks down the bench, and and ultimately it's it's those players' responsibility to to make Coach Davis feel like. Um, his basketball team is at an advantage by having them on the court. And um, I, I think that it's going to be competitive this year. And, and I think it's going to be, a, again, you know, a, a great, um, you know, a great benefit for this basketball team to, to really tap into that depth because we got a lot of guys um, on the team that, that can contribute in a very positive way. You played for a head coach in Roy Williams that would, would play different lineups in November and December that, that he even would admit might cost him a game or two, but he was playing the long game, getting his team ready for the ACC season, getting his his team ready for a eventual long run in the NCAA tournament. How Just as a player that, that went through that, that experience, that probably played lineups that you knew – in two months, you weren't going to be playing with those guys. But just how valuable is that to the head coach to, to figure out what works and what doesn't? And I guess as a player, how do you prepare knowing that this might be a four-minute segment where I play with five dudes I might never play with the rest of the season? You know, it's interesting that you bring that up, you know, as you talk about kind of, um, you know, my career at Carolina and what I'm up to now. And, um, you know, it's an interesting uh, parallel to to think about, um, you know, even for my job now in the commercial real estate world, um, you know, you just have to do the things that are going to put you in a position for success, even if it doesn't come right away. And so to, to your point, you know, maybe this doesn't work right now, but there's something that's going to be gained from that. There's there's something to take away from it um, that will put you in a position um, to be successful later down the line. So I, I think ultimately the players just need to, you know, focus on what they can control. And you know, putting themselves in, the, in a position, like I said, for coaches to, to look down the look down the bench and say, "Hey, I need to put this guy in," and then just making the best of their minutes, going out there and, and competing at a high level and, and doing the things to help their team win. And, and ultimately, all the other things will shake out, right? Like uh, how this player complements this player in, in this certain situation. You know, th- this guy's you know shown that, that that he's making free throws at a higher clip or, or can defend at a higher, whatever the case may be, right? Just, every player just has to really focus on on their job and, and, and being a, a positive impact on the basketball court, whether they're defending, scoring, talking, you know, leadership. I mean, there's so many ways to, to impact the game. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see all those different lineups come together. And, and, again, like I said, you just have to trust that everything you're doing every day is putting, you know, your team in a better position to win, um, regardless if it comes, you know, it comes out with an outcome that, that's not favorable today, right? To your point, it's the long game. We want to be playing our best basketball in March. We're talking with former Tar Heel and national champion Marcus Ginyard. Marcus, uh, I, I got a few more questions for you, and I'll let you go. Elliot Cadeau arrived as hyped a freshman as we've seen come to Carolina in, 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 in quite some time. 
it's just been two games. We got a lot of basketball left to, to, to be played. But so far, has he lived up to the lofty expectations put upon him by himself, the coaching staff, and then, of course, this rabid fan base? Um, you know, I think it's it's just so early to tell, and I, I hate even I, I hate diving into this. Honestly, I just want this kid to to have a great experience to, to kind of go through the the natural progression of of all the things that that he's going to learn, and and you know, kind of the adversity he's going to go through. You know, no no matter how skilled and and you know highly touted he is, that there's going to be a transition period. There's going to be moments where. Um, you know, he may not perform the way that we want him to, or he thinks he can. And just, it's just that he'll be fine. He, he's, um, he's competitive as heck. He's obviously ultra talented. He's got a great group of, 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 you know, teammates around him and coaches around him. Um, so I, I think that he will continue to grow and blossom into a phenomenal player. And I, me personally just want to be patient with him. Uh, but I'm certainly, certainly, excuse me, excited about. Um, his trajectory and, and what he's going to add to this basketball team. The, coming out of high school, he got compared to Kendall Marshall, a guy who arrived on campus just as your time at Carolina was coming to an end. I think his offensive game is more polished than Kendall's was, but but the, the passing was the biggest thing. Do you see those comparisons, or do you see these as two completely different uh, point guards? Um, I certainly see the comparisons. Um, you know, I've heard names like Ed Coda get thrown out there mm-hmm. as well. Um, but, but ultimately we have to understand that, that, that they're all, you know, their own unique players, but, um, to be mentioned in, in the, um, in the same breath as Ed Coda and Kendall Marshall as, as a point guard in North Carolina, um, I think already kind of puts you in a, a, a pretty elite category. Um, so to think about him, uh, from that aspect of, of just being such an incredible passer and someone who really takes a lot of pride and joy in, in helping his teammates get, you know, get open looks and, and, um, you know, give them opportunities to score. It just, it, it's great to have that type of um, profile and a player out there on the court, especially in, in the style of basketball that, that North Carolina likes to play. So, again, just super excited um, about his potential and about, you know, kind of how he's going to progress and how he's already progressed, you know, through the preseason and the, and the first couple of games of the year. Super exciting talent. Um, and and would would love to just kind of give a shout out to Zayden High as well, another freshman that, that that's coming in that's um, you know thought of very highly as well, who, who's just done a great job of of being active on the court and in creating positive outcomes just with with effort and energy. Um, you know, it's not about again uh, scoring a hundred points or getting a thousand blocks or a hundred steals. It's like there's a lot of little things out there that you can do to to, to help impact the basketball game, and, I, and I've seen both of those young freshmen do those things. One last question about Elliot before we move on to so, so to some broadcasting questions. A lot of people in the college basketball media and in, and and in the ACC media kind of confused, maybe taken aback that he isn't starting as a reclassified five-star freshman. Paxton Wojcik, the Brown transfer, has started the first two games uh, for Hubert Davis. Do you think it's only a matter of time before we see Elliot Cadeau be inserted into the starting lineup? Um, you know, I, I anticipate that happening. But, again, it's all going to come down to, to what these players do and how they perform out there on the court. Ultimately, Elliot's got to – put himself in a position where coach feels like that's the, the best choice for him. And and honestly, I mean, look at Marvin Williams. I think he's a perfect example of kind of just making this whole argument a, a little irrelevant, right? Like do something great and be a positive impact on your team. Make winning plays when you're in the game, regardless of whether that's when you're starting or not. Because ultimately 
I think it's more important to see who's on the court at the end of the game, right? But everybody wants to talk about who's starting and this and that. But ultimately, what are you doing out on the court? How are you performing? All those things are going to speak a lot louder than, than the start five. I mentioned in the introduction that you've you've had the the opportunity to to call games for ACC Network Extra, um, doing you know the live action scrimmage, the exhibitions, but also now you're dabbling into the radio side of things. Part of that rotation of the Tar Heel Sports Network, as of course we all know, Eric Montrose continues uh, his battle with cancer. We see a lot of athletes get into the broadcasting world once their playing days are over for you was this always something you wanted to do or was this something you got more interested in once you knew your playing days were getting we're, we're, we're coming to an end yeah to be honest with you um this was something i was never interested in mm. and it just kind of came up as a um you know it was an interesting opportunity um about a i can't remember exactly when this happened i guess right after um, I finished that first season. Um, I kind of had the opportunity to, to join ACC Network Extra um, on a call and just gave it a shot, and, and it was something that I kind of enjoyed. And then, um, you know, an, an unfortunate reason to have this opportunity um, on the radio with Jones Angel, but um, that, that's been great and excited to kind of move forward with that um, and just kind of hope that we can do a good enough job, the four of us, um, you know, while we wait for, for Eric to, to get through his battle here. So, it's exciting. It's fun. Um, not something that I thought about, but but really, um, honestly, honored to to be thought of. Um, you know, as, as someone who can, you know, kind of jump in and, and and see how it works. And uh, I think it's been been relatively successful for me so far. And I'm just learning along the way. But but really, just having a lot of fun with it and excited to be, um, you know, even closer to to the program. Do you have a preference? Do you like the TV side better, or do you like the radio stuff better? You know, I, I don't quite have a preference yet. Um, Again, just just excited to, to to be a part of the game, and in either one of those capacities, I think it's a pretty unique experience. And um, you know, getting to talk basketball and and, and watch Carolina hoops is, is great. Um, so yeah, no, not sure which one I like better at this point, but I do certainly love um, working with Jones and had an incredible time working with, with Kyle Straub uh, several times on, on the ACC Network uh, Extra Call. So just really grateful to be in this position, and um, you know, look forward to continuing the take advantage of this opportunity as someone that you know went over practice plans and scouting reports do you find your you do you find yourself preparing the same way as an analyst like i know like for roy williams i think he he wouldn't watch film of an opponent outside of the, the previous three games how, how do you go about your preparation when when preparing to call it a game whether it's on the radio or the tv side of things so you know the great thing about um you know my experience on, on the radio and on, on TV is they've all been Carolina games, right? So I yeah. um, have a little bit of a leg up being around practice and having, you know, watched all the Carolina games and, um, you know, being close to, to Carolina basketball. So that's super helpful. But but it does require, uh, you know, a little homework and a little um, kind of extra effort thinking about those other teams and, and making sure you, you know, I, I think Coach Williams is, is right on right on point, you know, the last two, three games, right? Kind of seeing what these other teams have done lately, what, what players are – getting hot and you know just knowing about the injuries and where they are in their standings and their respective leagues and, and all those different things and it's great to, to work with uh seasoned professionals like Kyle Straub and, and and like uh Jones Angel who, who can really kind of take on a lot more of that um and kind of allow me to ease my way into it so I definitely rely heavily on those guys but but it's great it's, it's, it's fantastic to kind of think about things in that old athletic mindset and uh, I mean it's no different than, than how I prepare for, for how I do my work right now um 
as a real estate professional, you know, you just got to be diligent. You got to be organized and, um, and, and just really kind of take care of business that, that, that same way. A couple more, and I'll, and I'll let you go. You, you of course, are, you're a member of, of the Carolina uh, basketball family. Caleb Love, who hit one of the, the most important shots in the history of the program. He's no longer here. He's transferred out. He's out of Arizona, but he had a chance to come back to the Tar Heel State and help the Wildcats upset Duke on Friday night uh, at Cameron. And after the game, he made it known that he's a Tar Heel for life. He had it inscribed on his shoes, and, of course, he said it to the media as someone that, that that's that's a part of the family, how how did you make it feel that a guy who definitely had an up and down relationship during his three years with the university still looks at himself in the mirror and even though he's no longer wearing the Carolina blue, still identifies himself as a Tar Heel? I mean, I think it's um, just an incredible testament to you know to the Carolina family and and you know it's unfortunate that that things didn't work out for Caleb at, at North Carolina, but. Um, you know, again, I think just to hit, you know, for him to say that and for him to be, you know, publicly, um, you know, announcing that to everybody and letting everybody know, hey, listen, this is still a school that's super important to me and special to me and will always have a, um, you know, special place in our heart. I mean, I, I personally feel the same way about Caleb, you know. Again, I'm, I'm fortunate that it, that it didn't work out, but, but glad that he found a spot um, where he feels comfortable. And I'm, I'm wishing him nothing but the best. And, and of course, super grateful that, that he continued his run against Duke and, and, you know, helped us celebrate a, a wonderful evening the other night watching, <laughs> watching the Dukies lose. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm super grateful for his time at, at Carolina. And, and again, just unfortunate that, that, that it didn't work out, but happy to see him, uh, doing well at Arizona. And, and again, excited to see kind of how he can finish his career. Last thing, and I'll get, and I'll let you go. Carolina has one final tune-up before the battle for Atlantis. What are you most anxious to learn about this team while they are in the Bahamas for the Thanksgiving holiday? Um, you know, it, you know, we're gonna have some some big time matchups down there, and uh, I'm just excited to see the early tests. Right, you know, you kind of never know how it's gonna go. You never know how we're gonna kind of, um, you know, approach those kind of early uh, potential adverse moments that we may run into um you know we're going to be away from home and you know again facing some some pretty um good talent and so just excited to see how we're going to get through that and you know whatever happens down there it's going to be a great learning experience for us it's also going to be a great experience for the kids to kind of get out of town and, and experience the bahamas and, and all those great things so um just excited for for what's going to come i'm not super anxious about anything really just excited to see how things shake out i know it's early um there's a lot of season left uh, and um yeah, man, just just excited to see that he'll take the court. Uh, I, I I think we're all in that same agreement. Um, we're going to learn a lot about that team as they continue to make their way through another difficult non-conference portion of the season. Well, Marcus, man, I I, I can't thank you enough. Uh, I always have a, a fun time talking Carolina basketball with you. Today we got to talk a little broadcasting, which, of course, as, my, as a podcaster, that's right at my alley, and I can't wait to talk to you later down the road, my man. Awesome. I really appreciate your time. It's it fun being here. Thank you. There you go, guys. That was the voice of former Tar Heel Marcus Ginyard, a national champion as well, um, a, a fixture of the early teams that I grew up loving. 
uh, when I really did fall in love with this team and this program. So I still kind of pinch myself when when I get to talk to these types of guys because I never thought, you know, as a sixth grader, I'd be in the position I I, I am today, getting to, you know, host a podcast to talk about a team that that I love and really inspired me to have the career that that that, that I have today. So with that, that is going to wrap up this edition. Um, of the show. But before we let you go, I will encourage you guys to visit our website, uh, HeelToughBlog.com, where we're getting you covered on everything Carolina football and basketball. It's the busy portion of, of our season. Um, Carolina basketball on Friday, football on Saturday. We'll have you covered with previews, recaps, all the big takeaways, and so much more. And, of course, we'll, 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 we'll be getting you covered uh, while the team is in the Bahamas next week. Um, three, you know, three separate games, three separate previews, three separate recaps, um, and and and, and so much more. So that's HeelToughBlog.com. Ask for the podcast. You guys know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast, and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way, you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball season. With that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. Big shout out to Marcus Skinner once again for joining me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.